On the 3rd of November 1988, a very bad man was sentenced to life imprisonment. On the 17th of January that year, a psychopathic homosexual, as the local press called him, snatched 14-year-old paperboy Stuart Goff from a street in Hagley, Worcestershire. He then drove Stuart to Bromsborough near Ledbury in the Herefordshire countryside, stripped him at knife point and sexually assaulted him. It then took the perpetrator 25 agonising minutes to decide what to do before attempting to strangle Stuart with a shoelace and finally hitting his head four times with a rock, thus ending his life. Victor Miller, a 33-year-old man, eventually spared the victim's parents any prolonged agony by admitting to the crimes in the courts at Hereford. Miller was born in Wolverhampton to a Jamaican father and a white mother. He was one of three sons, one of whom died, causing his mother to leave the home. From then on, Miller began to receive severe beatings from his father, which, over a continued period of time, turned Miller into a deeply disturbed little boy. It wasn't long before the authorities removed Miller from this volatile environment and placed him in the care of a school for those little boys who were seen to be as emotionally disturbed as Miller. The school was situated in Bodnam, a little village seven miles south of Lempster, Herefordshire. And Bodnam is the place where I grew up. Moving back to your hometown is not an easy thing to do, especially when you think of what made you want to leave it in the first place. But since I've returned, I've noticed that this seemingly slow-paced, remote little place is much darker, more disturbing than I first thought. And all the cautionary tales from my childhood come back to haunt me, because the ghosts of the past tend to stick around. I'm starting to think that not all is what it seems in Terrific. Episode 3, The Mystery of Paperboy Lane. So I remember my parents telling me that if I ever misbehaved, then I would go straight to the naughty boys' school. And I'm sure most of us who lived in the village of Bodnam, Herefordshire in the late 80s would have faced a similar threat if we acted like little hooligans, because the school had been functioning right up until 1987. Now that school was Bodnam Manor, and we all knew where it was. It wasn't actually far from our own primary school because I used to pass the entrance to the manor and it had menacing stone lions on pillars outside every time I went to my friend Jamie's who lived on the same road. I've since learned that Bodnam Manor was actually a borstal. Now that's a type of youth detention centre that were run by Her Majesty's Prison Service and borstals were intended to reform seriously troubled young boys so it was actually a naughty boys school and this place was practically on our doorstep. So since the school's closure, the building was actually bought by the Taylor family, and that's a whole other story, but it gave the manor a role in community life. So it had function rooms, it had a bar there, there was rifle range and go-kart racing, there was even paintball, and it was actually quite a posh restaurant and gentleman's club in its day. 
I've no idea of what's happened to it since, but I just remember it being a pretty fantastic and beautiful gothic looking building. And don't the most attractive buildings always have the most sinister histories? I can't, however, recall ever knowing anything else about it other than one thing which I'm going to investigate in this episode. Bodnar Manor was actually linked with one of the most terrifying stories from my childhood. We were all aware as children of this story, yet we didn't know that each other knew the story, really, until we sat down and talked about it later on. And the story had many different versions, depending on who told it. Our parents would always warn us about this, but never giving us the full picture because we were quite young at the time. And, well, the story goes that out there in the darkness, lurking in the fields and the bushes where we used to ride our bikes and play Aki 123, there was a very real bogeyman, a Freddy Krueger, if you like, this kind of madman who would come and snatch us if we stayed out too late. And I mentioned the conversations that we had later on uh, between each other who, who used to live in the village. And uh, one of my female friends told me that um, her mum would tell her to come back in if she was staying out too late because the man in the field was watching them. So what is the story? Well, it was something that happened days before the horrendous murder of Stuart Goff in 88. Something that happened very close to the place where we trudged with our sledges on long-awaited snow days. And here it is. So I remember being told, I can't remember whether it was, I, th- I think it was from a, from a friend, that years ago, someone was kidnapped in the field at the back of the old people's home at the end of our road. One night, whilst cleaning away the tea things, the manager of the care home was startled by a man who was half naked, banging on the window in a terrified state, begging her to let him in. Being so frightened herself, she refused to let him in, instead calling the police. Uh, And the police arrived and and the situation was dealt with. Scary stuff. But from then on, we were told to be wary of strangers and staying out too late in the village. I remember when the tragic story of Stuart Goff hit the headlines. I was absolutely terrified by it. There was always a, a kind of black and white image of Stuart that they released on screen. And I remember it haunting my dreams. It was very unsettling. But being only seven, I didn't really understand the details of the murder. However... I've later learned that the legal firm that one of my close family members worked for was actually handling the case at the time. So not necessarily knowing directly, I could have been affected indirectly by certain stories that had been told or or being being privy to to some information. It was uh, later on in my teens that I knew that the incident at the nursing home and the murder of Stuart Goff were actually linked. It was the nursing home slash kidnap story I was interested in, though, because I still wasn't sure whether it was really true or whether it was just an embellished account of something that never really happened. I mean, you've got to be honest, it sounds like something out of a film, not something from a sleepy little village in Hereford's history. Um, I remember the owner of the nursing home being a lovely lady. She'd always say hello to us kids. And I thought if someone had been banging on my window in the dead of night asking for sanctuary in a terrified state... I'd be traumatised for life. I wouldn't leave the house, never, never mind going to the post office as if nothing ever happened. But was I getting in over my head here? Was I likely to disturb the past with all this investigation? I mean, I'm not exactly Poirot. I didn't really want to upset those who were affected by Miller's crimes. And to be honest, I don't really want to give him any recognition. Was I even allowed to investigate a crime without having legal authority? 
I needed to know. So I spoke to a friend of mine who used to be part of the West Mercia police. He seemed to think that I was fine to go digging. However, in order to narrow the search, I should find local press cuttings dated after the trial. And that way, I was likely to find a write-up of the entire conviction, as reported by the local newspaper, the Hereford Times, which was great advice. So I knew exactly where to go for that. The good old Hereford Archives office was sure to have what I needed. So I took an afternoon off work and went down there. Right, Reese. so what have we got here? We have, unfortunately, a piece of very old technology, which is a microfilm, and it contains on it a copy of the Hereford Times for 1988. The difficulty with microfilm is that sometimes they get wound the wrong way around, and you get wound up in lots of different ways. So you've had to unravel that entire thing. Yes, and now I'm rewinding it um, so that we can play it the right way around so you will be able to read it and hopefully find the article that you're looking for from 1988. So what's the benefit of using microfilm as opposed to keeping a copy of the Hereford Times since year dot? We have the copies here at the archive. They are original records going back to the 1830s when the Hereford Times was established. I think it was 1832. We've got them right up to about the year 2000. Uh, The difficulty with newspaper is that it was only ever designed to last one day. Really? Yeah, yeah. so um, it's next day's chip paper, isn't it? So um, they don't use the best quality paper, and so it doesn't survive very well. So if you look at it too much, it'll get damaged, and so we try to pack it away and keep it safe in the dark. Uh, And the library, where the newspapers used to live before they were transferred to the archives, microfilmed all of them, uh, and that was in the day before digitisation. Mm. Um, if it was done now, of course, they would be digitised. Yeah. They would be on your computer instead of having to turn them around. <laughs> do, you, do you think that these eventually will be digitalised, or do you think microfilm's here to stay? No, I, I, I think they will be digitised. Um, I mean, in fact, many of the newspapers have been digitised already, but it's an expensive process. Mm. So it's eventually, it'll happen, presumably, it'll get cheaper to do. Mm. But for the time being... And, to be fair to microfilm, it is a tried and tested medium. You do see it in all the movies, don't you? You do, exactly. And it, and it, is, it is very picturesque. You know, when you mm. it just flash by. But, uh, um, the thing about it is, is that we know that it lasts a long time, which we don't really know about digital. Mm. That hasn't really had a, t- a chance to be tested. It's all very exciting. I do feel like I'm in some kind of murder mystery. I'm having to do the research. It's a bit of a cliched image, isn't it? It's, uh, it looks good. Now, fingers crossed. Because when you're being watched... When you're... <laughs> Sorry, do you want me to stand over here? I'll stand over here with my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> the key is to try not to swear. You can swear. That's fine. I'll put an explicit thing on here. Ah. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Look at those Easter bonnets. Right. And you go, 1980s flashback. Yeah. So this is, this is June 1988. Okay, so we're going for November. Flash forward. We're still on June. Is this a whole year? August. <laughs> oh, bless you. I feel so bad. <laughs> hey, at least we got at least we only sort of just 
finished June before you realised. I was done for the next bit. <laughs> Usually what happens is that um, they, the films normally are half the year, so it's January to, to June and June to December. Maybe loads of things happened in June. Well, I think it's So uh, let's have a lot to do it. <laughs> After a few false starts, Reese found the right microfilm and we were cooking on gas. So I had a look for myself. He left me in charge of the microfilm. Oh my God, that's it. First bloody page. Amazing. Right, where are we? Newsboy's killer is jailed for life. That is it. Oh my gosh, I'm so impressed. The psychopathic homosexual also pleaded guilty to five other offences, including kidnapping, attempted kidnapping and indecent assaults. So Stuart Goff, that's definitely there. That's what... Oh, God, that's horrible. But that's not what I'm here to find. Obviously, you can do your own research if you think it's an interesting story. However... I'm here. Wow. Hereford meat worker Richard Holden. Is that him? January the 29th, Victor Glenford Miller appeared before Hereford magistrates charged with the abduction of Richard Holden. Right, well, where's the rest? It's, I remember being absolutely terrified by it. Hereford abattoir worker Richard Holden held the key to the capture of maniac boy hunter Victor Miller. Tire tracks and footprints found the end of his nightmare journey along the Herefordshire lanes. The Hereford teenager who escaped half naked from child killer Victor Miller less than 48 hours before the newsboy's murder admitted, I feel lucky to be alive. He was frog-marched to an orchard and stripped to the waist, but the six-footer fought back. Suddenly he dropped the knife and I kicked him in the groin, threw him against a tree and made a run for it. The young slaughterhouse worker was first mistaken for a burglar when he tried to raise the alarm at a nearby house. The occupant ordered him to stand under a light until the police arrived. <sighs> is this... is this Bodenham? Did this happen in Bodenham? I don't think it did. I think that it was a bit of a... There were two different stories merged into one, I think. I think people confused the fact that Victor Miller went to Bodenham School with this story, and I don't think it happened, because it says here, where does it say? He was driving home from Wellington. Well, Wellington is not Bodenham, although the two are quite close to each other. He was held at knife point, drugged unconscious with chloroform after Miller knocked him from his bicycle as he pedalled home to Wellington near Hereford along a dark country lane. So that doesn't say, because he was going from Grandstand Road to Wellington. Hmm. He wouldn't go through Bodnam though. I might have to see if I can find Richard Holden. I wonder if I can be a long shot anyway
Wow, I can't believe I found that. That's brilliant. So, it appeared to be true. But again, did this actually happen in Bodnum? I mean, I couldn't see any evidence of it thus far. I couldn't help thinking that perhaps I'd got the story all wrong. Did the crime actually happen in Wellington? And our parents made the association with Bodnum because when it was where Miller went to school and kind of put two and two together and made five? The best way to sort this out was to speak to other Bodnum people to see whether they could flesh out the story. So the best way of doing this is to set up a Facebook group. And I added all the people I went to school with way back in 1987. I needed to know whether they remembered this happening or was it just me and my overactive imagination. But I hadn't chatted to some of these people for years. So I set up the group and with trepidation, I visited uh, not long after. And as it transpired, people did recall something happening in our sleepy village all those years ago. Right, let's have a look at some of these. Oh, we've had quite a bit. Right, so I've literally put up that I'm doing this podcast. Um, Not a lot of people actually want... Oh, someone's actually sent me... A copy of an article. Um, looks like it's in the Bromsgrove Gazette. Looking back, uh, so someone saying I vaguely remember this. Just texted my mum about it. I'll let you know if I get any info. Ooh, here we go. The only detail I remember is that the lad in Bodnum sought refuge at the old people's home. Uh, other than that, it's just a vague recollection of being told by my mum and dad to be careful out on my bike and not to talk to strangers. Makes sense. Also, I think the attempted kidnap was down Rabbit Lane, the lane linking the road by the river to the bottom of God Almighty. Now, God Almighty is the hill that's in Bodenham. Uh Someone says Rabbit Lane. I've never heard it called that. It was always called Paperboy Lane. And that's where... Or the Paperboy Road. Uh, what does this person say? We called it God Almighty Hill because when you're walking up it, you would say God Almighty. Yeah, I remember that because the hill is steep. The kidnap was there. The lad was from Wellington, I believe. Oh, this. Oh, God, this is a, people do know. This is interesting. Ask my mum to see if she remembers. I'll ask the folks, but I don't remember anything. Oh, someone's confirming that God Almighty was good for sledging down. Um... No, mum can't remember anything. That person can't remember anything. Too young to be told about it. Aha! The lad ran to the old people's place as there was a bright light on the building. He knocked on um, a friend of mine's door. His mum was scared, so she didn't let him in. Some people don't know. There. No idea. Wow. So, lots of people. No one's left the group. That's a good sign. So there's 23. Not a lot there. Um, but definitely, there's one person who seems to know the story, or as much of the story as I did. Um, so that's really interesting. I wonder if anyone will speak to me. I messaged a friend of mine, Paul, who now lives in London, as I seem to remember him telling me in an old Facebook group years ago that he knew the location of the alleged kidnapping. 
He wasn't up for being recorded, which is absolutely fair enough. So my actor friend Ollie is going to read his message for me in his best chilling accent. Thank you, Ollie. And after this, we're going straight into an interview with another Bodnam alumni, Murph, or Anthony Murphy, who is the co-founder of Hereford's most famous and successful restaurants of modern times, The Beefy Boys. He's also a very good friend of mine from way back. So we arranged to meet up over Christmas outside of his restaurant with his mum before they went off to do some Christmas shopping. And luckily, I just happened to have my mic on me. So after we chatted about how Murph's career has taken shape over the years, his mum and I got onto the subject of Bodnam life. Growing up in Bodnam in the 80s was pretty perfect. In a world before mobile phones and the internet, we as kids were outside as much as possible. At weekends or during the school holidays, we'd often head off in the morning on our bikes and not get back until late. And we had the green, the river, God Almighty Hill, the lakes, tennis courts, loads of trees to climb and make bases. Bodnam was like one massive playground. I don't know how we knew, but we were always aware that something was said to have happened on the road that linked the bottom of God Almighty to Millcroft Road to a paperboy. That road was and always will be Paperboy Lane. I remember that myself, Johnny Jamie and Steve all used to dare each other to ride down that road on our own, normally when it was getting dark. I can still remember the goosebumps as I pedaled my rally mantis as fast as I could to get it over with. As I say, I've got no idea who told us about the paperboy, and we never really knew what had actually happened, but knew it was linked in some way to the old Boston of Bodenham Manor. Well, I'm here... Uh, beautiful, I love this restaurant, it's the Beefy Boys, and it is in Hereford's Old Market. Oh, and here they are, here they are. Hiya. Oh, look at that. Always working, aren't you, Murph? Murph, how are you? Not bad, no worries, mate. Oh, yeah, good. Cheers, Ed. Cool, cool, yeah, I'm good. Hello, and we're with Murph's mum here. How are you, my dear? I'm fine, thank you. Good, we're just having a glass of rosé. I think I might have a beer, get myself a beer, and uh, settle in. I'm going to ask you a few questions about Bodnam back in the day. Sorry, very, very cold. We've had to sit outside because, as usual, the Beefy Boys is absolutely rammed. (laughs) Okay, so um, here in the... Hereford's beautiful entrepreneurial quarter, um, and here we are in the Beefy Boys. So, restaurant owner, yep. chef, yes, um, anomalies, yes. Rapper, yeah. Were you a rapper, performer, R- singer? Yeah, rapper, and used to write the music as well. Um, yeah, I've actor. done lots of things. Actor, Two-Face yes, company. yes. Yeah, yep. did write the music for a lot of Two Face stuff. Yeah. Teach acting as well. Still do. I teach music. Now, I used to teach acting, and now I teach music. So, what, well. was, what what's the, is the pull? Because you wanted to do something that wasn't boring, and wanted to try everything. Because everything you've done, Murph, you've got the Midas touch. You've you've you've, you've made a success out of everything you've tried. I, I, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I was just always into sort of different stuff, really. So, so I was going to say hi, and then saw the microphone <laughs> backed off. How lovely. <laughs> Yeah, sort of always was just sort of into different stuff. Like acting was kind of the first uh, sort of thing when I was young that I kind of got quite into. I just like sort of showing off, I guess. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I hear you, sister. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I sort of like got into acting and then was always, always liked music. And then there's kind of a crossover between sort of acting and rapping. I mean, look at Will Smith. 
or yes, a, Ice Cube right. or something. It, it is kind of similar because you, you're. Yeah, they played your music on Radio One, though, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Music. yeah. Anomalies did really well. Yeah. Anomalies were fantastic. Yeah. Like, really, I thought they would have done better. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think I've done similar stuff. Yeah, you I'm, have. You I've not on. done the restaurant thing, but I've yeah. certainly wanted to get out there and do something that's not conventional. Yeah. I think it's creativity. There's so many people I know from music and the actors who've been in the music and acting world who actually have ended up in food. Mm. And I do think there's a big crossover yeah, between. Yeah, but it's, I think it's because it's, cre- it's making something. Mm. And I think if you're that type of person that likes making something, that probably will transcend from whether create, being creative with acting or music or food as well, because at the end of the day, you're making stuff to make people happy. Yeah. So maybe yeah, it's just Harrow the fact. Harrow is known for it, though, isn't it? The amount of What's actors you've produced and singers. Oh, yeah. Harrow yeah, Harrow. yeah, definitely. Small place. Yeah, you know, Ellie Goulding, you know. Oh, good old Ellie, friend of yours. A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah no, she a bit. To, oh, because you're a nightclub owner as well, weren't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You reinvigorated the jam house. Can you um, just uh, tell me what's next for the Beefy Boys then? Oh, uh, so um, we are hoping to uh, open a uh, second restaurant. Yeah. Uh, we've been holding off uh, to see what happens with Brexit, basically. So we're wait- is, that a ma- is that a major factor? Well, because nobody knows what's going to happen um, and which way the market could go. I mean, it does have a little bit of an effect on sort of food and food prices and stuff, depending on which way it goes. But it, nobody knows, really. So that's why we're kind of holding off. Uh, so, yeah, once Brexit's out of the way and we know either way, whatever happens, we'll be able to make sort of a bit more decision now about which way we take the business. Uh-huh. But that is our next goal, yeah, second restaurant. So I know that, um, I mean, obviously you're going to choose Harry because you live here, but were, were you initially always going to start the business here? Was there any pull to go to London or Birmingham or one yeah. of the bigger cities? Or was the focus really on local? Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, for us, the focus was always on local Hereford. When we, when we got back from the World Food Championships, we did have... Uh, few offers we had some people offering us to run a restaurant in Liverpool open it up there because the whole uh, come second in the World Burger Championships and we had um, quite a few pop-ups in London and stuff that we did but I mean logistically Hereford it was was always going to have to be really you know with the supply chains and the fact that we all live here and trying to run our first restaurant in another city which was an absolute nightmare so now we've got one up and going and now we're three years in and it's kind of settling down and we've got all the systems in place it's probably about the right time for us to start looking at you know we could potentially do another one we we all lived in Bodmin together Mm -hmm. you weren't uh, part of the Bodmin crowd. No, no, no. My mother wouldn't let me leave the house. No. no. So you went, to, you went to school in Marden, right? Yes. Which is a nearby. Yeah, it's like the next village along. Is it, it as big as Bodmin, Marden? Um, what was the yeah. pull of Marden? What, what have they got that we haven't? <laughs> well, less crime. Oh, right. Yes, actually, yes. Well, well said. So we've 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 kind of talked about the fact that Bodmin Manor School was there. Um, did you know anything about Bodmin Manor School? No, Bodmin Manor School sort of passed me by I didn't know we had a naughty kids school in Bodmin at all no I wasn't aware of that I don't think you ever mentioned it oh my my parents mentioned it all the time they were always like you're going to the naughty boys school but we kind of assumed that there was a naughty boys and a naughty girls school it wasn't there that long though was it no in fact it's in here was it actually Bodmin Manor was it up by the railway I don't know it belonged to Clifford Dice I don't think it did who's Clifford Dice Richard's oh. brother. <laughs> so here it is. Here. Oh right. Oh so yeah. It was a vicarage. It was a vicarage for a long time. Right. So yeah, the school closed in 1987. So I. So it, it was between 69 and 87. But it was sold. It was sold in 69. But it doesn't say when the actual school started. Hmm. 
But it says here it was a school for children with learning difficulties, then it was for boys who were disadvantaged. In other news reports it says maladjusted. Can you imagine calling children maladjusted? No, it's not not great. So the the perpetrator, or the the killer actually, came from Bodnam Manor School. Mm -hmm. Um, He was was born in Wolverhampton to a Jamaican father and a white mother. Um, And one of the children, his brothers, died. And the mother left the house, mm-hmm. um, which kind of sent the, sent the father into a bit of an abusive tailspin, right. at which point the authorities came in, took him out of that house and put him in the bottom school. Mm. But this child just kind of worsened and worsened, he used to mm. go out on his bike and ride around the countryside, which is why he came upon right. the end, the bottom of God Almighty Hill, yeah. which is where the kidnap mm-hmm. happened. Um, were there, do you think there were many children there? I didn't have a clue, because no. it's nowhere I ever wanted to go. Right. Mm. What was the attraction of Bodnam? I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get back near a home, which mm. for me was Ludlow. Oh, I love Ludlow. My father had a full-size billiard table, so it had got to be a place that would accommodate a full-size billiard table. Just all of us. <laughs> oh, so you all moved? Well, my father he was and she myself. And my dad, wasn't it? Was, uh... And then my sons, when they were sort of back from abroad. Oh, yeah, Denver was there, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Denver's my brother. So, how old were you? Three, you two, three, when we got there? Three. You were still in nursery school, weren't you? Um, yeah. 86, I thought I came up here. Four, I'd be then, yeah. So, I was born in 82. Oh, yeah, so Murph. You... I can imagine you, four years old with a beard and glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful sight. <laughs> It was a very, it is a very beautiful village. I don't, and also the workshop. I mean, Dad liked to have workshops because he used to do up vintage cars. Yes, because you had a massive workshop. Yeah, really huge workshop. Yeah, yeah. And the ground. I mean, it was all sorts of things. But I mean, you don't come across many houses where you've got a, a room big enough to accommodate for a size sleeper table. Yeah. Because it was in those days. I think it was called Sunshine. What was? Our place. Oh, oh Sunshine. Yeah, the house. Phone. People say, where do you live? They say, sunshine. You with father. I mean, good in, yeah. but sunshine, good in. Well, you're, you're a ray of sunshine, aren't you? So. I am, yes. Yeah. But saying that, you're a very keen gardener, weren't you? I used you to, like you used to Did you sell plants on the front? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. that's how I remember. Yeah, but I didn't grow them. A friend of mine grew them across it, and they went... OK. I think I, I think I remember you, Mrs M, yeah. you could, because my, I think my mum used to buy plants from you. But she I, did. I would never have known... Well, I'd have been locked in the attic. Yes. Uh, well, there wasn't an attic for a start. <laughs> it was a bungling yeah. pool. That's what she told everyone. <laughs> Unless it was a, a very fancy conversion. <laughs> so I think the general consensus is there wasn't a lot known about the kidnap. No, like, so my only recollection is mum saying to me about it when I used to like kind of venture off into, into Bodnam. But it was like, so. strange, wasn't it? Strange things happened or something. Right, I'm going to wrap this up now because I'm, I need to put my hat on because it's very cold. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming and speaking to me. Um, so I, I hope you both have a really wonderful Christmas. You too. Um, and who knows, you might be on another Bodnam themed episode of Terraford. Mm, hopefully, yeah. Are you happy to come back with your mother? You do another one? I don't, you haven't been shocked. <laughs> Murph's mum then went on to say that although they knew in the village that the kidnap had happened, apart from being vigilant about kids being back after dark, it wasn't actually that major. What disturbed Murph's mum more was the continuous break-ins at their quiet little bungalow, but these weren't linked to the kidnapping. 
So I did a quick search online to see whether there was any material at all out there apart from the Hereford Times article. And funnily enough, there is a book called Sadistic Killers. It's a nice little snappy title, isn't it? Written by Carol Ann Davis, who is a, a somewhat of a murder expert or a true crime expert. And it seemed to have a comprehensive retelling of Miller's crimes within it. Carol's book also included a kidnapping. I'd struck gold, or so I thought. I reached out to Carol through her website to see if she knew any more. Okay, so I sent an email to Carol uh, about her book, um, asking whether she'd be interested in having a phone interview um, about the kidnapping, because that is the part that we wanted to focus on, really. Um, Now, Carol's written back and said, thanks for thinking of me, but she's actually taking a break from writing to do something else because she's been freelance since 1990 and needs a change of scene. Carol, I don't blame you. She did, however, say that um, she saw the case on a Freeview channel. It was given a passing mention and apparently he worked, uh, Miller, at one stage as a stripper in a gay club. Um, And this was an aspect of his life she hadn't heard about before. We don't know. I haven't seen that. Um, so I've just asked whether I can reference her book in the podcast because because um, obviously we're using it to to try and find out exactly how it all happened. And um, Carol has confirmed that, that isn't a problem, but she remembers it was a difficult case to research, possibly because the police didn't want to talk about exactly what Miller had done to his victim. Um, and it was uh, similar with the Rose West trial. Um, but one of them later broke rank and the info is now available in the public domain. So it doesn't sound like there is a lot of information out there. We're not, or I'm not here to to um, investigate the murder itself. Um, I, I wanted to know about the kidnapping to see whether it fits into the stories that I remember as a um, child. Now, one thing I have written back to Carol, I know she doesn't want to get that involved, but I have just asked her one question, if you don't mind. I don't suppose you know the name of the village that Richard Holden was taken to when he was kidnapped. Was it Bodnam? Hopefully Carol will answer very soon. Uh, she may not know, of course, um, but I will let you know what she replies. So it seemed like Carol found it a bit of a struggle to do any research on the topic of Victor Miller or his crimes. Um, She did get back to me later on to say that she did not know the name of the village that was mentioned. (sighs) Dead end. So with a distinct lack of information, other than a few hazy memories and vague assumptions, I thought it best to visit Bodnam myself on location, as I want to do in this podcast, to see whether the details from the newspaper article and the list of events of the kidnapping as mapped out by Carol's book actually fit the geographical location, because if they did, then hopefully I was onto a winner. Of course, I couldn't go alone. I never do. So I called upon my good friend, Kel, who shares my macabre interest in true crime. And off we went on a cold Saturday morning just before Christmas to follow the steps of a sadistic killer. Right, so, Kel, do you know anything about this case? No, only there was in Bodnam. Do you know Bodnam? Not really. So years ago, um, there was a... Uh, case on the television uh, about the murder of paperboy Stuart Goff. He was snatched from Hagley in Birmingham okay, yeah, yeah. and was decapitated and buried in a shallow grave in Bromsbro. Oh my God. Which is Ledbury yeah. way. Um, however, the murder is not necessarily, it's not that we're not interested in it, but, but what our parents used to tell us was that the perpetrator actually 
tried, before he murdered Stuart, tried to kidnap someone in our home village. Now, Bodnam is a very sleepy, kind of rural Herefordshire village. Everyone knows everyone. They've got a school, they've got a pub, they've got a church. Your typical English village um, with like a choir and a vicar and, you know, all that. Um, So to suddenly think that there was a murder happening in Bodnam village is... Big news. um, It's big news. Now, obviously, we're too young to investigate it or to, to... think any more into it however every different person I went to school with judging by who I've reached out to over Facebook has their own version of events that they were told by their parents as a warning do you think as a warning so what I thought we would do is go back to the scene of the crime and see if what I have been told actually logistically could have happened yeah try and get some, some cold hard facts so we're on the way now. It's a bit of a miserable Saturday morning. Poor old Kel. We just had a fast fast food breakfast. <laughs> Fixes anything. So you're not from you're not from Roundier, are you? I'm not from around these parts. <laughs> so where are you from? I'm from uh, Morecambe, near Lancaster. Ah. So a long way from home. Holiday destination. Uh or in used the nineteen fifties maybe. Now not so much, no. But uh, the Eden Project from down in Cornwall are proposing to build a uh, seaside site in Morecambe. And if it went forward, could chuck some money into the town and hopefully revive it all. But yeah, we're not short of a tale or two ourselves, actually, because the Pendle Witches were uh, tried at Lancaster Castle. Right. And then hung on Pendle Hill. I was going to say, where is Pendle? Uh, Near, yeah. Right, so we're going to have to go there, I think. Because I've always wanted to go to Pendle Hill. And there's a pub in Lancaster called the Three Mariners, which is supposedly one of the most haunted pubs in the UK. You should do one of these podcasts about Morecambe. All right, then. What we'll could do we call, holiday. We'll could we call it? Mm. Hang out in Morecambe. Oh. <laughs> now, actually, it's, it's funny we're approaching it from this direction because we'll actually go past the old school. So the murderer was actually sent to this school. So let's let's give him a bit of background. So is that how he ended up from Birmingham round here? Yes. Okay. Now we're just driving through Wellington, which is where I think the abduction happened of this this lad, the one that got away. And what was he doing? Cycling home. Okay. So basically this this kid was cycling home. I don't know how old he was. Oh he was nineteen, but he looked fourteen because he he was he was he looked young. So I think he was working in uh, he was working in a slaughterhouse in Hereford and cycling home to Wellington, which is where we're just passing now. So this is Wellington down there. Uh, so it could have happened, actually, on the road that we've just driven up. Yeah. Uh, so what he did was uh, the, the murderer asked him for directions, then drove around in a circle till the, till the boy was dropped cycling downhill, grabbed the handlebars... Uh, pulled him off the bike, chloroformed him, bundled him into the back of a car, and then sped at speed through the countryside. Oh my god. And where we're going, the site that we're going to, is where he would have tried to get him out of the car and effectively torture him before molesting him, and then who knows what might have happened. <clears throat> so when we get there, we'll. I'll go 
into a bit more detail about what happened. It's pretty grisly, isn't I it? I think I'll never go on a bike again. <laughs> but if you can imagine, we as kids being told this story... Yeah, give me nightmares. I mean, not so much the, the, the abduction bit, but, but it was at the bottom of the hill that we all went cycling down when we were kids. So, you know, it's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if you can see Bodner Manor from here. It's over this side. God, this is big black memories. Because that's the pub, isn't it? The railway. Yes. We used to go down there, me and my friend, uh, Jamie. And uh, we used to go upstairs for a Coke and put M people moving on up on the jukebox. Classic, classic. Classic. I think it's down here. This road. Yeah, this road here to the right. Oh, I've never been this road before. Ah, well, there you go. Where did you take them? Do you know, we were driving down here once with my mum, and I saw a big cat run across there, like a like Leopard. a panther. Yeah, it was massive. No one believed me. No, I can't imagine why. Bastards. Because <laughs> my friend lived up here, so we were always ah, we were okay. up and down here on our bikes all the time. And that's the thing is, it's so, re- not remote, but you know, there's not a lot around here, is there? You don't imagine anything no, bad see, happening around here. No. But you kind of um, invent stuff when you're a kid, don't you? Absolutely. Um, and actually, these because all the all the lakes are down here now, so it's it's like an outward bound centre, I think. There was a man who lived near lived us here. that was a bit... Uh, it was an old guy who used to walk his dog, and we were convinced he was some sort of weirdo. And every time he came down the lane, we'd run away screaming. Like Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> and it was probably just an old man walking his dog, but we were absolutely terrified of him and made up this big old story about him in our heads. It was total rubbish. Do you know, I haven't been to the railway for years and years and years. Maybe we should pop in for a pint, mind you. Maybe. Up for a pint today, I don't think. Sorry, Kel, I'm getting you to drive down this really kind of dodgy country road. So where did where was Jamie? Where did Jamie live? So we used to go all up here, and we used to like build little streams and dens and things. It was wonderful, actually. You mean in the olden days? In the iPhones. Oh. <gasps> what was that? Nearly the death of a squirrel. It's all right. <laughs> He's alive. We're not there yet. No. Hang on. thing is you were allowed a lot more freedom weren't you so you were allowed to go off on your bags for hours and hours and hours mm. your mother had no idea where you were because you had no phone and then you come home when it got dark yeah so that happening must have put the fear of god into a lot of people well yeah but it's really interesting that um that we all know the same story and yet no one has really thought about it since yeah it's it's, it's been part of our history and yet no one ever talked about it my and dad knew managed- very little about it so it's up here somewhere, the school. And um, on the on the left. Is that left, right? Left. Uh, I know. So it's so shit. You couldn't be able to really come dancing, could you? No. It's... Is that it there? No. There'll be a turning for yeah. it. I think that's... I think that's it there, the next left. Okay. But I don't... As I said, I don't know what what's going on there that's this one it's a public footpath is that it it's got a sweet it's got a lion do you reckon we could drive up there and pretend that we're turning round I'll just pretend I'm lost I normally am how good is your um, European accent 
Hello. I've uh, never been here before. It has a gate. That's it. This is not good. That's it. Is that the place? That's it, but... Is it now a house? It's brand new, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. So it has been totally ripped down. Right, should we go and park at the end of the drive? I'll do a reverse view. Well, to be honest, we're not going to be able to get in there, are we? Not like it. Doesn't look like there's anybody there, though, either. No. Maybe, but maybe they have three Land Rovers and ten dogs around the back. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not up for a bit of uh, carry-on faulty towers running no. away from crease. No, I'm not. Dobermans? They're all Dobermans, aren't they? I'm not very good at reversing either, are no, I? Oh, don't worry, you're better than me. <laughs> So I think that's, I think that's definitely it. Should we go a little bit further on and just check there's nothing else? Yeah. But I think it's, it's been ripped down. I mean, there's nothing on here to say it has, but then this is probably quite old. Because it used to be quite a foreboding kind of It's got a nice position, like, high on the hill, looking down Yeah, gorgeous. Oh, look at that. Oh. Yeah, it's gone, isn't it? And is that something else further up? It, was, it, it wasn't as far up as that. Oh. Wow. Okay. OK, well, nothing to see there, kids. No. Well, I think we went to view this house once. Really? Yeah. All right. Completely out of our price range. <laughs> Just went for a nosy. Bloody hell, Kel, I haven't been in for ages. That was the vicarage is up here somewhere. More tea, Vicar? Good God. Yeah, that's the vicarage. It's the old vicarage. See, imagine it being somewhere like that. You know, like the boys' school? Yes. A big place like that. Oh, well, I'll, show you, a, I'll show you a picture of it. Oh, look at that. Oh, they've got a pink caravan in the garden. Oh, I'd like a pink caravan. So would I. It's where my Auntie Brenda lives. Nice. I think it would be about like the pink windmill, though, and I'd be grot back. Yeah. If we had a pink caravan in <laughs> the garden. Yes, so we used to live down there. Bungalowville. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not the sort of place that you would expect anything untoward to occur. No, exactly. This always reminds me of Christmas down here. Mm-hmm. We used to have every... Christmas, obviously, when we were kids. Right, so left here. So this is the old people's home. And that is the hill in the background. So that's that, where we're going. That so that's where we're aiming for. So apparently he banged on that door there in the with the big box-like building in the middle of them. Right here. I'm feeling a bit creeped out now. Because this is where it would have happened, up here. Right, so you know where we saw that big lorry truck coming out yeah. of? That's that lane there. Oh, okay. That is now known as Paperboy Lane. <gasps> I know, it's horrible. So I reckon... So this is the hill. So it's going to have gonna have been in one of these fields yeah. that it happened. So I don't know whether we can... Do you think we can park here? Yeah. I've got about 15 million papers with me. Oh, we've got our wellies on. Oh, 
Right, let me get my little... Okay, so... Oh, she's got her boots on. She means business. Glad you can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... I don't know in, in the exact spot it happened, so we're on, we're on location now. So where would that school be from here then? Like, over there? Just on that slight up? I think, I think that might be it over there. Effectively, it could have happened anywhere down this road. <laughs> a pretty creepy place, though. Can you imagine? And I love it. The, the, um, the actual newspaper report says, it happened around tea time. Oh, that makes it sound quite sweet. That's so 1988, yeah. isn't it? What time of year was it? What time of year? Yeah. 15th of Jan, it was, 1988. Oh, okay. So, yeah, would have been dark. That's it, there. That's the, that's, the, that's the old people's home. Do you remember there were all those bungalows? Okay. So they took him here. He took him here. Yes, yeah, somewhere along this road. And he took him to that old school. That... No, he didn't take him to the school. Ah. He tried. He grabbed him. Forced him into an orchard. Ah, so that was his plan. So here we go. go. Let there. me let me let me try and so stop the teenager cycling home. Ask for directions. Then circled the car around, waiting for him to cycle downhill. That hill? No, this would have been in Wellington. Ah. That's what I think, though. Yeah. Because we were told that it w- it was that hill. Yeah. But I don't know whether the parents got it wrong. Yeah. Because he was cycling to Wellington. Now, if he's cycling from Hereford to Wellington, you we've just done that trip. Here. You ain't yeah. coming here. No. So, I, so then it said he drove at speed. Uh, sorry, grabbed the handlebars, pulled him off the bike. It's a nice farm machinery car. Uh, pulled him off the bike, grabbed his throat, dragged him to the car, chloroformed him, and then drove at speed through the countryside. So he would have come here. Right. He would have driven here. Yeah. Um, sorry, darling. He may well have driven the route that we went because he may have gone past the school. Yeah. And then gone the exact way that we went, but instead of going round into the village like we did, he might have come up that lane, and that's why it's called Paperboy Lane. Because this kid, he wasn't a paperboy. I was going to say, I think he was a paperboy. No, he was a slaughterhouse worker, but he killed... He, he usually preyed on paperboys. And did he have a history? In the end, did they find out? Did Yes. Had he done attack people before? Loads, loads really? of them. Really? Yeah. What, and killed them as well? No, only killed one. Right. He, and that's the one he found. But I believe that that um, this was how he got caught because the guy got away and was able to... Um, describe him. Describe him. And also, why bring him here? Yeah. It, that is definitely... I mean, that, that is, is a route. That is an exact route, isn't it? So what we so that lane makes total sense. Yeah, I reckon. So he could have effectively parked the car somewhere around here. Yeah. And that his plan just to take him somewhere remote and then get him tied up or whatever in the boot, like. Yeah. Yeah. Then he forced him into an orchard, so it could very well have been here. Yeah. Beat him with a stick. And uh, was unzipping his flies. Oh my gosh! Whilst this guy, oh, this guy was blindfolded, by the way. Yeah. Or oh, maybe that's an orchard. <gasps> yeah. This could well be it. Um. 
And when he when he saw he felt he was unzipping his flies, this guy bravely, I mean, he must have been terrified, ripped the blindfold. He was only nineteen. Yeah. Ripped the blindfold off, kicked this guy in the ghoulies and, and legged it. Well, he hid actually. He hid in one of the adjoining fields. Waited for the car to go. And then ran for help. Because you can imagine this here, that's all cut down at the moment. If that was up, you know, the corn was up, you could have well hid in there. Yeah. But I have a friend um, who lived in this estate over here, which you can see through once we get to the other side. And their parents, they lived, obviously backed onto this field. Mm. And they used to go and play in the field. And their parents used to say, look out for the man in the field. So that, w- that could have happened, couldn't it? Because it's this yeah, field. absolutely. So the stories are all matching up. He could have parked here. Yeah. And this could have been his way in. Yeah. Do you reckon we can get in there? Yep. Although not into the orchard. You can get into the field. But Next then... One, you'll be able to get in the orchard, I reckon. I think this is actually really quite terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at this lane... And imagining this in January at half past four. Mm. Tea time, dear. Tea time. Tea time, dear. Um, there's no street light in anywhere around here. No. This would have been pitch black. I mean, Victor Miller would have known these streets like the back of his hand because what he used to do in the school is um, he was very, very kind of reclusive, very obsessive compulsive, used to tidy his meagre possessions again and again and again lie in the fetal position for hours on end and then just used to go out on his bike and cycle round here furiously. Now, this is an orchard. I mean, that is an apple there. This is it, isn't it? Yeah. Here, I reckon. Park the car there. Walk across. Through through that gate? Yeah. Do you reckon we're allowed to go in there? It's padlocked. Oh, there's sheep in there, look. Do you know, that... That makes perfect sense, yeah. like you said. You can almost see it through that, yeah. can't you? Yeah, you can. He and would there totally... is another orchard. I didn't see another one. No. So this will be it. So quiet here. Quiet. Remote. Scary. And that's so scary that it was so premeditated that he's brought him back to somewhere that he knows well and knows is in the middle of nowhere. Mm. However, I mean, that that makes sense um, to police reports, but someone did... uh, Sorry, newspaper reports, but someone did say that it could have been the other old people's home, which is the one we passed, but that would have been in that direction. And I think you would have had to... Well, he would have had to run over there, which doesn't make sense if the car was parked here. No. What, did, what happened to him after? So he's in prison. Oh, he's, he's still in there. For there. Life. Yeah, yeah, he's in there for life. Yeah. He, it's a direct route. Yeah. That is absolutely direct. Should we go over? But you know, sleepy little village, all this shit going on. I mean. It's a real wonder that it's not more talked about. I know. Because it is such a huge event for such a tiny place. And, um, you know, when I've been doing a little bit of research on Facebook, trying to ask people from our school and everything what what they remember, the kids remember the story, but the parents don't really. And I've, I would have thought, my God, that would have been in my... I, I would, it would just be massive for me. So that's where... Straight down there. Yeah. 
I definitely think it happened. And what I was thinking was that, like I said, the parents must have got the the locations wrong and actually thought that it happened in Wellington yeah. because the guy was from Wellington. However, if you look at the police, uh, the newspaper report, it goes on and on and on about, um, you know, Wellington near Hereford along a dark country lane. And then right at the end, ironically, as a teenager, Victor Miller attended the Bodden Manor Special School, which is the same village as the orchard to which he took Richard Holden. So they drove from Wellington to here yeah. with him holding Chlor- on to on it. Chloroform. Right. And that's the orchard. I mean, do you see any other orchards around that, here? That's it. God, we're going to be filthy getting back in your car. That's all right. So there we go. We've, we traced, we've traced, a, a, you know, short of climbing over a hedgerow and into someone's garden. I think we've gone as far as we can. There you go. Do you think you'll have a sleepless night tonight? Yes. <laughs> checking the doors and windows twice. <laughs> well, in my opinion, it looks as though it really did happen where it where it was said to have happened. And short of getting hold of Richard himself, I'm not really sure whether he is um, contactable or where he is, but I've tried to contact him. It looks like the newspaper reports, coupled with the research that Caroline did for her book, together they've got a pretty clear account of the event itself but how harrowing then to think that it took place so close to where we used to play in the snow and have fun as children now I can't say whether the nursing home incident was actually true because I haven't spoken to the manager from that time Uh, again I've tried to reach out but but I I don't know where I'm going with it it does look perfectly viable that Richard would have run towards the first sign of life that he could see from that field. Whether it was the nursing home, I couldn't say for definite. But all that I can say is that as children, we had every reason to be aware of the potential danger that had been going on, as did our parents. But now that Miller is safely behind bars, serving a life sentence, I really hope that history won't be repeating itself soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please do go on patreon.com forward slash Terraford to donate anything that you can to the cause. And I'll see you next time on Terraford. <laughs>